This is an ABC podcast. Hi, this is David Rutledge. You're in the Philosopher's Zone. Welcome to the program. And welcome this week to a religious conversation, although perhaps not the kind of religious conversation you might expect when you hear the words religious conversation. If you're a regular listener to the Philosopher's Zone, you'll know that I have a strong interest in religion and in the space where religion and philosophy meet. Exactly how wide that space is can be argued back and forth, but certainly when it comes to ethics, there's a lot of common ground. One of my favourite podcasts in this space over the past couple of years has been Sacred Tension, which covers religion and philosophy and esotericism and scepticism, Marxism, politics, digital culture, sexuality. It really goes far and wide. The host of Sacred Tension is Stephen Long, who lives in North Carolina and is a Satanist. In fact, he's a minister and member of Ordination Council with the Satanic Temple. Modern Satanism has had a fascinating history since the official Church of Satan was founded in 1966. The Satanic Temple was founded more recently in 2013, and as we'll be hearing, it came into being partly because of a perception that Satanic philosophy needed something of a makeover. As to what constitutes Satanic philosophy, well, that can vary from individual to individual, and Stephen Long wanted me to make it very clear that he's not a spokesman for the Satanic Temple or for other Satanists. But one thing we should get out of the way right at the top of the program here is that by and large, modern Satanists don't worship Satan. Satanism is a non-theistic religion, which means there's no deity at the top of the ecclesial hierarchy, satanic or otherwise. Satan functions more as a symbol, but as a symbol of what? Well, again, it depends on who you ask. So I asked Stephen Long, and this is our conversation. You know, uh, you and I have a couple of things in common. We we both like cats, and we were both raised evangelical Christian, <laughs> uh, and we, we can get onto that in in a minute. But I want to begin with some ethical concepts because if I were to ask you to articulate the rudiments of a satanic philosophy, what would that look like? I mean, what what are some of the basic ideas at work in Satanism as you understand it? Sure. Well, I can tell you what works as a basis for Satanism in my in my own life which is that it first and foremost has to be centered around the symbol of Satan. So I define Satanism incredibly broadly, which is just to say that Satanism is the religious veneration of Satan, the symbol of Satan, the figure of Satan, whatever. That's it. As far as I'm concerned, that is the definition of Satanism. And some people would say, oh, that is, you know, annoyingly broad and and too broad to be useful and what have you. And that might be true. But as far as I'm concerned, Satanism is the religious veneration of Satan, be that as a literary figure, a, uh, you know, symbol in, in kind of a mystical, esoteric sense, and so on and so forth. So when you define Satanism in that way, there are many different Satanisms that have just popped up <laughs> all over the place throughout the Christian world through history. The veneration of Satan is particularly important because a lot of people like to say that Satanism is not necessarily about Satan. It's about political activism. It is about trolling. It is about being a humanist. It's about opting in to certain religious benefits that you get in the United States when you can identify as religious, you know, that, uh, that accords you all sorts of benefits that not being religious doesn't in theory, right? But it 
at its core, I believe for me, isn't really about any of those things. At its core, it is about the symbol or person of Satan. So it all has to start with that symbol. Sure. Yeah. So then what flows from that symbol in, in terms of an ethic? Yeah, so it depends on what version of the symbol you go with. So I go with the romantic literary symbol. And I think that a great deal of modern Satanists do as well. So this is less based in the biblical Satan and more based in the literary tradition, starting with Milton, uh, Paradise Lost. And in Paradise Lost, you, you know, uh, Lucifer is kind of an anti-hero. And Milton definitely did not intend for Lucifer to, to be the hero of Paradise Lost. But during the 1800s, the Romantic poets started to look at the figure of Lucifer in Paradise Lost as a heroic figure. So there is the erosion of religion at that time. You know, the the foundational belief structures of the Western world were kind of all reconfiguring beneath them. And in that time period, in that space, Satan, as understood as a literary figure, started to seem more like the hero and less like the villain. So he started to become a figure of revolution. He started to become a figure of um, a champion of the outsider, a champion of reason and enlightenment, the, the champion of um, kind of a Byronic hero, in other words. So that is where I root my Satanism in. It's a symbol. It's a literary symbol, and it has a long literary tradition that includes writers like Victor Hugo and Percy Shelley and so on and so forth, right? So now what, what are the implications of that? For me, the implications are a veneration for skepticism, skepticism of undue authority, rebellion against undue authority. And the undue part is really important. So I'm not categorically opposed to authority. I, you know, we need hierarchy and we need structure and we need uh, trust in authority to a certain degree. But what I'm opposed to as a Satanist is the lack of skepticism and tyrannical undue authority. So a lot of Satanists, myself included, come out of the church. Not all, and actually I, I keep meeting quite a few Satanists who have never been connected to Christianity in any way, and that's really, really interesting to me, and we can talk about that later. But for a lot of us, um, Satanism is born out of our experience of the church, of Christianity, and in that setting, skepticism of the church is deemed demonic. Skepticism of the church is, is deemed to be of Satan. And so for me, Satan becomes this champion of reason, enlightenment, liberation, champion of the outsider. So that is all that follows from that symbol for me. If we go back to Milton for a minute, Satan in Paradise Lost is so interesting because he's a very dynamic, energetic figure. He's a very attractive figure as that romantic symbol of resistance to tyranny. 
But Milton still has his Christian bona fides in place, and he doesn't let Satan get away with it, right? Satan is a tragic figure. He rebels against God, and things don't go well for him. So how does that tragic nobility fit into your picture of Satan as an ethical symbol? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think if we move forward some from Paradise Lost, we can find the answer in uh, Revolt of the Angels by Anatole France. And basically, the revolt of the angels is about the futility of schismogenesis, basically defining your existence in opposition to something and how that inevitably fails, right? And so this is kind of an inherent paradox of Satanism is, you know, we have our affirmative values. We have values of justice, compassion, and empathy, and we want to stand on those affirmative values. And yet it can appear from the outside that we are sort of a schismogenesis, that our values are fundamentally in opposition to something, that something being theism or God or the church or what have you. And I don't think that that's true. I think that The vision that Anatole France has of Satan, so at the end of The Revolt of the Angels, and I I won't give a full synopsis, but basically it's like a modern retelling of the rebellion against God, and it's like all of these rabble-rousing Parisian revolutionary angels (laughs) kind of gathering together and then fomenting rebellion against God, and they go to find Lucifer, and uh, before the final battle against God where they storm heaven, Lucifer has a dream. And in this dream, he sees that he, in conquering God, he becomes God. In conquering God, he becomes the tyrant. And then he says, no, let us not conquer the heavens. Let us not overcome God. In doing so, we will become God. We will become the tyrant. So then in Revolt of the Angels, at the very end, Satan says, no, we must overcome God within our own hearts. And the answer then is that eternal rebellion against those outside of us will only get us so far. And that the ultimate battle and where I think a mature Satanism exists is in overcoming our own inner petty gods. Because there is this fundamentally tragic uh, story of Satan in Paradise Lost where he is ultimately defeated. And so he he does, there is something innately noble about that, where it's like, you know, we're going to fight against the oppressor, even if it means losing. So one can take that message from Paradise Lost. And I think that's a noble message. You know, we can take that message for, you know, any progressive cause. We're, we're going to to fight for justice, even if we lose, even if it is a brutal end, Right. But I think that there's also a more profound story if we look at Anatole France, which is ultimately we can only overcome God. We can only overcome the tyrant if we turn inward because the biggest bully in my life is me, the biggest bully, the one who has the most, you know, pathological reasoning, who's constantly the most likely to oppress in my own life is me. (laughs) And so the first one that I have to overcome is myself. There is a popular understanding of Satanism that sees it as a species of hedonism. It's this notion that we're all carnal beings. We're here for a good time, not a long time. And we're we're sort of duty bound to pursue pleasure above all else and, and satisfy those carnal appetites. 
As something of a caricature, but is there anything about it that speaks to your own motivation or your own satanic practice? Absolutely. So my friend Penamu, who's the director of ministry for the Satanic Temple, he talks about Satanism as a carnal religion. And carnal doesn't just mean like kinky sex. Carnal means it is a religion of the body. It is a religion of the material. And so I really love the symbol of the pentagram, and I have one back here on my altar behind my desk. You probably can't see it, though. And the inverted pentagram is kind of a symbol of where our concerns lie as Satanists. So the upright pentacle kind of is a symbol of where one's concern goes. It is concerned with the heavenly, the metaphysical, the spiritual, so on and so forth. Whereas my concern as a Satanist is in the opposite direction. My concern as a Satanist goes down towards the earth, towards material conditions, and part of that is material pleasure. And I say this as if I'm some kind of libertine. I'm really not. I'm very conservative in how I personally live my life. But the carnality of Satanism, at least my understanding of the carnality of Satanism, really needs to be put within the broader context of physical conditions. And that includes our people's physical needs being met. What are the material conditions under which people are living and are those just conditions, right? And so that could also be another concern of the carnality of Satanism. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's an interesting take on on carnality and materiality because it embodies or, or certainly can embody a, uh, a strong social justice perspective. Yes, it does. And each Satanist is going to give you a different answer. I mean, I know many Satanists who are very into kink, who are uh, dominatrixes, who are, you know, so on and so forth. And that is very much part of their Satanism that is part of their religious practice. But I, you know, there are many different archetypes of Satan that one can go with. And I know just as many Satanists who go with more of a a Stoic Satan. So, you know, one can go with the devil, the archetype of the devil that you see on the tarot card of people kind of being chained to the devil. And there is kind of this carnality and this uh, bdsm quality to that tarot card. It can be about debasement, about sensuality, and so on and so forth. Or one can go with Lucifer as a guiding symbol, Lucifer being the fairest and loveliest of the angels. And that image can draw people more towards uh, self-restraint, right? And so there are many, many different ways that people can internalize the symbol of Satan. And so some take it 100% in the, you know, libertine, debauchery, pleasure sense. And then there are some people who take it in the completely opposite direction. And both people exist within the satanic community. You're listening to The Philosopher's Zone with me, David Rutledge, and this week we're talking Satanism with Stephen Long, who is a minister with the Satanic Temple in North Carolina, USA. (music) 
Let's talk about the Satanic Temple, a really interesting organization. It got started in 2013. It's a religious organization, but also in many ways a political organization, or, or at least a politically active one. There was already a well-established international Satanic organization, the Church of Satan, which was founded in 1966 by Anton LaVey. And the Church of Satan still exists today as a, a religious community promoting LaVeyan Satanism. Why was the Satanic Temple founded? The best person to talk to about that would be Lucian Greaves, co-founder and spokesperson of the Satanic Temple. I think there were several needs that they were trying to meet, they being Lucian Greaves and Malcolm Jerry. One was a revitalized and updated Satanism where Levian Satanism might have made sense in its time, where it was really heavily influenced by social Darwinism and Ayn Rand and so on. And also it was in response to the hippie movement. I mean, Anton LaVey really hated hippies. He and, and it was a kind of reaction to the counterculture of the day, which is why for so many decades, Satanism has had this weird turgid, conservative, edge boy, <laughs> edgelord vibe. You know, it, it always had kind of a conservative feeling to it. And that's because it was in reaction to the counterculture. So Church of Satan was very much of its day. And it was also revolutionary. I mean, Anton LaVey was a pioneer and modern Satanists wouldn't exist without him. So I can appreciate him for everything that he's done. And I think that one of the goals of the Satanic Temple, at least what I've heard from Lucian, was that there needed to be an update because we now know that kind of the extreme Ayn Rand selfishness of the early Church of Satan, it, it just doesn't cohere with reality very well. I think that Lucian and Malcolm also saw the gradual encroachment of theocracy. Hold on, my cat is desperately trying to get onto my lap. Jesus Christ. Come here. This is my very fat, derpy boy who always interrupts. Nice kitty. Every show. Hello. Yeah. He's huge. He's an, I've never seen such a big cat. Yeah, he is. He is massive. Oh, okay. He doesn't want to be on my lap anymore. Um, I think Lucian and Malcolm also saw the encroachment of theocrats into the rights of others, into reproductive rights, into the rights of minority religions, and identified the way in which conservative Christians, theocratic conservative Christians, would basically say free speech for me, but no one else, freedom of religion for me, but no one else. And from what I understand, they founded the Satanic Temple in an attempt to defend the rights of minorities and to defend the rights of minority religions and the rights of Satanists. So I think that last part is really important. People always ask me, uh, is Satanism just a political maneuver? Is it an activist organization? And we aren't. We aren't an activist organization. One can argue whether or not it started as one, but we're a church. We are a community of religious people. The vast majority of what we do is behind the scenes, behind closed doors. It's religious. And I think that the temple really only gets involved 
uh, politically, legally, when the rights of minority religions are threatened. And so the political action of the satanic temple emerge from the deeply held satanic religious beliefs very much in the same way that when Quakers would get involved in politics, they weren't activists pretending to be Quakers. They were Quakers acting out of their deeply motivated political beliefs to get involved in the civil rights movement or what have you, whatever political cause. And Quakers have been at the forefront of so many different political causes. No one would be stupid enough to say, uh, you know, Quakers are just activists masquerading as Quakers for whatever reason. It's the same with Satanists. And yet, and this is something we've we've touched on earlier, we can maybe tease it out a bit more here. One criticism that Satanism often attracts is that it's something of a troll. Um, and an organization like the Satanic Temple has serious political aims and objectives, but we often hear that, you know, at the root of Satanism, there's this desire to poke fun at Christianity and to make a sort of a satirical point about Christian religion in public life. And on one hand, you could rightly say that Satanism is about a lot more than just winding up Christians. You've been explaining that already. But on the other hand, I think it's important to acknowledge the element of parody in Satanism and a sort of a a tension that I find quite fascinating between seriousness and fun. Like there's an aesthetic in Satanism, for example, which often seems to be taken lightly and completely seriously at the same time. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I wrote an article some time ago called Seven Satanic Dichotomies on my website. And one of the dichotomies was satire versus sincerity or something along those lines. And that paradox, that dichotomy for me is really important to Satanism because Satan is kind of a trickster god. He's kind of a pan or a Loki. And so if I follow in the footsteps of a trickster god, there's going to be a very sincere element of fun beneath it. The base reality for me with Satanism is that there's nothing ironic about it whatsoever. My Satanism is completely unironic. I am a Satanist because I'm a Satanist, because I love the symbol of Satan, and that's a scaffold upon which I can build my life. But if part of that project is that I am following a trickster god, the symbol of a trickster god, uh, then there's also going to be humor. There's going to be fun in my Satanism. So I, I think what looks like a paradox on the surface when we get deeper is really just an apparent paradox. It, it, it actually resolves the deeper we go into it. Let's talk a bit about your own life and experience a, a bit more. I mean, how does an evangelical Christian, um, a missionary no less, become a Satanist? I never wanted to stop being a Christian. And there is this assumption floating around that I walked away from Christianity because I was so deeply hurt by other Christians over my orientation. I'm gay. And there's probably some truth to that. But the fact is that I was also saved. And I mean that quite literally. My life was saved by affirming Christians, by progressive Christians. 
right? And so the the conservative Christians completely destroyed my life. I went through ex-gay therapy as a teenager. I had this horrific experience of being marginalized and abused for my orientation or what have you. But then I also had the amazingly wonderful and beautiful experience of being embraced by Christians and being told that my orientation was part of God's plan for me. And by the time I left Christianity, it wasn't because I didn't love it. I did. And I felt like I had actually really come to terms with my orientation within the church. I left Christianity because I stopped believing it. (laughs) And it really is that simple. I left it because I could no longer believe the central creeds. And I tried to build this space within my little corner of Christianity where I could be a non-theist and religious. I really deeply valued the role of religion in my life, even as my faith was dying. And it started to occur to me that that didn't need to be a contradiction. Non-theism and religion didn't need to be at war with each other. I could have both, but I gradually began to realize that that place was not in Christianity. And it was about that time that I discovered TST, and it was love at first sight because it was fully non-theism and religion wedded together. It was skepticism and religious symbolism and practice wedded together in a way that I had simply never seen before, in a way that I'd never discovered before. And of course, you know, it exists in secular Buddhism and strains of Judaism and what have you. Of course, it's all in those places. But I had never seen it before. And I deeply connected with the symbol of Satan as the champion of the downtrodden. The demonized, you might say. The demonized, exactly, as the demonized. And I deeply related with that symbol because when you go through exorcisms for being gay, you might eventually come to identify with Satan. You might eventually come to identify with the ultimate outsider as a hero, as a champion, and as uh, as a symbol to be embraced as a form of empowerment, right? Yeah, yeah. I see you have a poster of The Exorcist on your wall there, which is that's another thing we have in common. Yes, I do. That's a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it maybe speaks to you in a way that it doesn't speak to, to me, though. Yes, it does, because I, you know, I, I, my exorcisms were never that violent, but you know, I did go through really harrowing what they call deliverances. And yeah, I did all of that. And eventually you come out the other side of it. At least I came out the other side of it, discovering that I couldn't change my orientation and I was the outsider. I was naturally blasphemous. When you're naturally blasphemous in that way, when when your very essence is just a blasphemy to the God that you've always believed in, it's no wonder that you're going to gravitate towards Satan as a symbol of liberation, as a symbol of autonomy. But as an out-and-proud Satanist in the USA at the moment, do you perhaps feel a little vulnerable? Because if you look at the culture wars that are raging in the US right now, Satan is a name that gets dropped 
kind of a lot. You know, we, we saw it with the QAnon crowd and all those weird fantasies about a satanic cabal of globalist pedophiles. But increasingly, people just on the mainstream political right will denounce this or that thing they don't like as satanic. And given the highly unstable character of American public life at the moment, how concerned do you feel about that? Yeah, so I'm not terribly concerned about returning to the 80s and 90s levels of satanic panic where, you know, it was embraced at such a high level and people were imprisoned because of accusations of child sex abuse and whatnot. So I'm, I don't know if we'll return to that, but I'm definitely concerned about personal safety. You know, I take measures to make sure that I'm safe and that my partner is safe. And a lot of people in TST do. Uh, we just had an arson attack on our headquarters in Salem a month or two ago. And there were people inside. And the arsonist, I assume, knew that. I mean, it was, it was really an attempt at violence. So it doesn't come without a certain measure of risk. And I also don't think the temple could do what it's doing and that I could be out as a Satanist 20 years ago. The level of progress that we've experienced just culturally is enormous. So if you look at other spooky new religious movements like the Process Church of the Final Judgment, they were active in the 60s. Um, they were accused of being associated with the Manson murders. They were accused of, and, and they were culturally ostracized in really incredible ways. TST doesn't experience that, by and large. My experience of being a Satanist is, at worst, people raising an eyebrow and being like, okay, that's kind of weird and cringe, or people getting it and fully embracing it. And so... There is very real danger, absolutely, and I do worry about that, but it's also important to emphasize the progress that has been made for religious minorities and and people who might be drawn towards the spookier, weirder, more occult side of religion. Yeah, I think that's an important thing to acknowledge because it's very easy at the moment and certainly since 2016 to buy into that presentation of America as just a, you know, a country that's gone insane and in a, in a very sort of conservative reactionary way. But there's also that element of, of tolerance and uh, experimental progressivism, which has always been really integral, I think, to American culture. You, from what you're saying, you, you, that, that's still very much there, right? Absolutely. And, you know, it's, there is real danger in our political landscape right now in the United States. I mean, it's, it's horrifying. There's been this theocratic takeover of the Supreme Court. The Republican Party is basically a death cult. I mean, it's bad. It's really bad. But I think it's also important to to understand the ways in which American politics leans towards minority rule for all sorts of bizarre and minute reasons. And so the political landscape that we have is not necessarily always representative of 
the country that we have, right? And none of this is to downplay like how divided and scary and weird and dystopian America is right now. It is very, uh, the United States is right now. It is all of those things, right? But there is a very real and alive progressive movement and experimental progressive movement. And most people in America believe that there should be reasonable abortion laws, that there should be reasonable allowance for abortion. Most people in America believe that there should be reasonable accommodations for trans people. Most people in America believe that there should be reasonable accommodations for gay marriage. All of that stuff, right? Most people believe that, I think. But you have the fringes and growing fringes, and they are growing, and that's very dangerous, and that's very scary. But yeah, it's a complex landscape. And TST, Satanism fits within that landscape. And I don't think we would be able to 20 years ago. You know, as as much hate as as Satanists get today, I don't think we would be able to exist publicly the way we do now, even 20 years ago. Stephen Long, minister with the Satanic Temple. He's based in North Carolina, and he's the host of the podcast Sacred Tension. And that's a great podcast. If you've enjoyed this conversation, then you should definitely check it out. And of course, this wonderful podcast is The Philosopher's Zone, available via the ABC Listen app or wherever you get all your other podcasts. Thanks very much for your company this week. I'm David Rutledge on Twitter at David P Zone. Bye for now. <laughs>